John chapter 21. Verse number one. I want to pick back up this morning. We were talking about failure. And we used Peter as our example. Uh, I want to continue to use Peter tonight uh, to look at some other things. Look at it in a different way. We're going to use uh, John chapter 21 and look at it in a different way than what we went through this morning. Uh, but I want you to get something out of this and it will help you. Uh, I pray that what was said this morning helped you. And you got a little help out of that. Maybe you get some help this, this evening out of this. And John chapter 21, verse number 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples in the sea of Tiberias. And on the wise showed himself himself. There, there were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. This morning I told you there were seven disciples sitting there at the fire with them that morning. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. Here I told you this morning when you decide you want to walk away with God, somebody's going to follow you. Yeah. You be careful because somebody is following you. It might be your children, it might be your friends, it might be your relatives. Somebody's going to follow you. They said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. At that night they caught nothing. But when morning was come, now Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said, Cast thy net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were uh, not able to draw, for it was multitude, multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved, which is John, said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat and unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the nets with fishes. As soon as they were coming to the land, they saw a fire of coals. There was a, a fish laid up there upon and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring the fishes which you have caught, now caught. And Simon Peter went up to him and drew the net to full land full of fishes and a hundred and fifty-three. And all, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it is all the Lord? Jesus then cometh and take bread and give it them and fish likewise. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. Lord, just open our hearts and minds. Help us to be what we need to be. Lord, I just pray that you give me the words to say that might encourage us in this week, Lord, in this world that we live in. Father, we praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. According to the text that said in verse number four here, this is the morning. This is the morning. They're, they're about to eat. And we know that what meal is, uh, it is uh, the meal it is, it's, it's breakfast. I've heard, been told, uh, and you have made heard it uh, over your lifetime, uh, the most important meal of the day is Breakfast, amen, I can't stand breakfast. I don't like it, <laughs> I don't like it. I, I rarely eat breakfast, uh, but I find the, the read the Bible, a lot of people make a big deal out of the Last Supper. All four Gospels record the event of the Last Supper, but I want you to understand something. This, you, this Realize the Last Supper was not the last meal Jesus had with the disciples before he ascended back into heaven. 
He ascended back in heaven in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 1. But here in chapter 21 of John, he's having breakfast with him already after he has done risen from the grave. He's having breakfast with him. That last meal that John partook in the disciples according to John 21 was a breakfast this evening here, here at the Sea of Tiberias. And I see a lot of important things uh, at this breakfast. And I want to give you some lessons and principles and, and truths in this evening uh, on this text. You realize when you study the uh, ministry of the Lord, the Bible uh, has a lot to say about the eating habits of our Lord Jesus Savior. There's a lot in the Bible says that Jesus ate and how often he ate in the scriptures. The Bible said that uh, the hymn that uh, and the disciples are walking through the cornfields and an ear of corn on the Sabbath and he took and ate, plucked the ear and began to eat it. The Bible said Jesus fed the 5,000 uh, with five loaves and two little fishes. The Bible said Jesus fed 4,000 with seven loaves and a little fish, a few little fishes. The Bible said that Jesus ate at Martha and Mary's house. Uh, we know that was his favorite place on earth. That's where he loved to go, and I'm quite sure the Bible records only two times, but I'm quite sure he had probably eaten there more than that time. The Bible shows us there is a Pharisee that invites him to have dinner with him. He sits down and dines at the Pharisee's house. The Bible said that he eats at the house of Simon the leper. The Bible tells us that he ate at the house of Levi, who he saved from the uh, receipt of commons. The Bible mentions that he, was, he ate at the Last Supper in all four Gospels. The Bible mentions that he eats in the upper room in Luke chapter 24. The disciples, when he had risen in glorified body, there is a little nugget. You can listen to it. You get a hold of this nugget. Jesus ate food after his resurrection. He ate food in his glorified body. And I, I, I got to thinking about that and got a little spell about that. <laughs> I'm going to get to eat when I get my glorified body. <laughs> I, I've got a marriage supper that I'm going to, and I'm going to get to eat that. Man, I'm telling you, he tells us, we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to have a feast. Uh, that means I'm going to get to eat something. I enjoy eating as much as I eat. Well, I know the boys do. I know it. But I'm, I'm telling you, when, when I was younger, some of the most precious times in my life that I recall is on Sunday afternoon having a meal with my family. Yeah. I, I remember cooking, they, they cooked those meals and they bring in the tables and we'll sit down and we sit around and we talk about the things that's happened during the day and the things that's happened during the week and, and we ate the roast and the potatoes and carrots and cornbread, all that good stuff. And I can remember how, how sweet it was to have that food, but I remember how sweet that fellowship we had with each other. We're going to have that fellowship game. There are some lessons that we can learn in the breakfast this morning, the most important meal of the day. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. Jesus gives them some reminders in the breakfast. Verse number 6, he said unto them, Cast a net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, now they were not able to draw for the multitude of fishes. In verse 7, Therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved, which was John, that was the tip-off, that was the, remi that the reminder, when they knew it was Jesus, because in verse 4 they said they didn't know who it was. But as Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John said unto Peter, It is the Lord. 
the reminder. It's the way he recalls Jesus showed up in his life and began with. Look in Luke chapter 5. I mentioned it this morning. I want to go into a little bit more. Luke chapter 5. Verse number 4. Now when he has left the speaking, he said in Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said unto them, Master, we have toiled all night long. Why, 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 why? Sounds like a uh, uh, free will Baptist, don't it? Whining and crying. We've done it all night long, ain't caught nothing. We have toiled all night. We have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. The net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. I say this as a reminder in John 21. The first, let me say, it's a reminder of their conversion. Before Jesus showed up in Luke chapter 5, Peter, Peter is a lost, bound, hell-bound sinner. John and James are just a, two good old boys that was lost and on their way to hell. Do you know what Jesus is reminding them in John 21? They are being reminded, don't, don't you remember the day I passed by your way? Don't you remember the day I passed by your boat? Don't you remember that I saved your soul and changed your life? What John 21 is is a reminder of their conversion. I want everybody in the building tonight. It's good to walk back. It's good to walk back to the aisles of memory. Uh, it's good uh, once in a while for God to roll back to curtains and show us uh, where we've been, where we could have been if it hadn't been for him. If Jesus had not found you, where would you have been? It's a blessing of God to roll back the curtain of memory and show you how wretched and how vile of a person you were, how ungodly you were. If God did not come by your way, if God not passed by your way, hell will be your home today. You've been lost without hope, without Jesus, and on your way hell. It's been nothing more to do but just uh, doing so. But oh, happy day. <laughs> oh, glad day. When Jesus stopped by your way, when jumped in that middle of your boat and began to start trouble the waters of your soul, and you say, preacher, what, is it? what do we need that tonight? We need to be reminded every once in a while of our conversion. And some of us, he paid a debt that we cannot pay. He doesn't excite you anymore. Some people don't get excited about their conversion. Some people don't get excited about being saved anymore. There's no shout in their mouths and there's no glory in their souls. They don't get excited about their conversion no more. And I'm telling you, there's a fountain full of blood that rose from Emmanuel's mouth, and that don't move us anymore. We just sit around and say, hey, I'm saving on my way to heaven. But let me tell you what, there should be some excitement in your salvation, in your conversion, and that's what he's trying to remind them. Hey, boys, remember the day when I came by your way. We need to be reminded now and then what God has done for us in our life. Amen. You need a reminder. You didn't remind you to still be the old drunkard you were. You didn't need a reminder you could be a, a, an old druggie laying in the ditch somewhere. You could be a reminder that you might have been in the grave tonight. We need to be reminded. 
God said. God help us never to get over the fact that we have been converted. Change tonight. Have you ever lost your ability to rejoice of being saved? And the day Jesus came by your way, mark this down, you're in a backslidden condition. You say, well, I don't want people to laugh at me. So what? So what? Get some excitement back in your life. Just tell people, hey, Jesus saved my soul and where I was heading. I, I, I need to be reminded of what he done for me. I need to be reminded of my conversion. Amen. Back in John 21. Not only is it a reminder of conversion, but it's also a reminder of compliance. I want you to see this. I, 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 I've preached this before. Peter disobeyed the Lord in Luke chapter 5. Jesus said, let down your nets for a draw. And then Peter whined and cried about it. He said, all right, Lord, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And that net broke. He was, he was not being compliant with what God said. John 21, 6 says, And he said unto them, Cast the net to the right side of the, the ship. Now look at verse 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net of land full of fishes, 153, and for all there was so, yet the net was not broken. I'm saying this is a reminder of being compliance. Uh, Peter disobeyed the Lord when he said, Throw, uh, cast out your nets, and Peter just refused to do it, and he cast out one net, and that net broke. Uh, but here Jesus telling him, hey, hey, cast out your net, cast out the net. And when he cast out that net, and they pulled that net, that net did not break. And why is that? Why did the net break in, in Luke 5 and not in John 21? Why is that point that that's so important? In Luke 5, it doesn't break. It breaks. But John 21, it doesn't break. One net. I'm telling you, the difference in Luke 5 and John 21, when Jesus tells you to do something, do it. Amen. Disobedience always leads to damage. When God tells you to do something, Jesus told him, put down your nets. And one net would not have been suffice. One net would not have been good enough. But when Jesus told him to put down the net here, it, that one net was good enough. That one net was suffice to do what Jesus wanted him to do. When Jesus tells you something, you need to just go ahead and be compliant about it and do exactly what Jesus had said to do. If you want to see God's blessings in your life, you need to start doing what God has told you to do in your life. Amen. I'm amazed that we live in a generation of Christians that think they can live totally contrary to the Word of God, the doctrine of God, and the promises of God, and still think everything's going to turn out all right. I can live my life the way I want to live. I can go the directions I want to live, but yet my life is supposed to still turn out right. I'm still, still supposed to be blessed by God, but yet you're not giving God the, the glory in your life. We live in a generation that totally wants to do what they want to do. I'm going to go this way. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do this. I don't care what the Lord says. I don't care what the preacher says. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I don't care what my parents do, want me to do. Amen. If you want to be blessed by God, you need to start doing what God has told you to do. Amen. 
Hey, hey when, he, when he told him that one net, that one net was sufficed, suffice for him to do what he wanted to do in their lives to give them something. It's a reminder of compliance. It's a reminder of conversion. It's a revealing in this preface. Verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said in Simon Peter, we went over this this morning. Lovest me thou more than these? He said unto him, yea, Lord, you know that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He said unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, yea, Lord, you know that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. He said unto the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. I have to be honest with you. There is more than revealing of Peter's life at this breakfast this morning. It's more revealing here than it was at the Last Supper. There wasn't a lot of revealing in Peter's life at the Last Supper. He was behind, hiding behind his religious uh, uh, facade, try, trying to uh, 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 trick everybody about who he was and what he was. Uh, he, he will go to Jesus to the end. I, I'll walk with you. I'll never be, leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll, I'll go with you all the way to the end. I'll die for you. But we know that he left him and walked off. It, it, it pulled him away. He's opened up. He's buried himself out now. So what did it reveal? It revealed Peter cherished. What did Peter cherished? We talked about it this morning. Look at verse 15. Jesus asked the question all three times. Verse 15 says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said that in all three verses. In verse 15, though, he asked, lovest thou me more than these things? This morning I told him, he probably looked at the disciples sitting around the, the, the fire and said, hey, do you love me more than these guys here? Do, do you love me more than those things that you have over there? Do you love me more than the things that you cherish in this life? And I'd say you need to really get a hold of this. If anything is you got in your life that comes between you and God, you need to get it out of your life. It's a revealing question that we all need to ask. Do you love God more than these? Do you love God more than this stuff? Do you love God more than you love your home, your husband, your wife, your children? Uh, do you love God more than everything that you have? Do you love God more than that? And the answer obviously has to be yes. I love the Lord more than everything that I have. It has to be. What a revealing question that we need to ask ourselves. What, and, and, and that question reveals something about you. See, I'm not asking you if you love God. I'm not asking you, do you love God more than you love your kids? Do you? You love God more than you do your husband. You love God more than you do your wife. That's the question we have to answer ourselves. I, I, I've had it myself. 
I had to be reminded. And God had to remind me, do you love me more than you love preaching? Well, Lord, I'm preaching about you. Yeah, but do you love me more than you do your preaching? Do you love me more than you do the ministry? Because I know there's a lot of preachers that get caught up in this, uh, I love what I'm doing, I, I love what I'm at, I, I, I like what's going on, and they lose sight of God, and they still just, uh, they go through the, uh, uh, the, the, just go through the motions of preaching and the motions of uh, uh, serving God and the motions of the ministry, and yet God is not in it because now they change what they love. They got so much love for the preaching and so much love for the ministry, they lost sight of God. I, I don't love preaching more than I love God. I don't love the ministry more than I love God. And if it ever gets to the point where I have to choose God and preaching, it's going to be God. You remember the story of Martha and Mary. Martha was all about serving, all about uh, getting things done, setting the tables, putting cups up, and all that stuff. She, she was really busy, and, and she looked at the Lord, won't you make Mary get up and help me? I'm doing all this. I, I've got busy. And he said, you know what? She's, she's looking for the good thing. She's looking for the good thing. We can get so called up in the things of the ministry and things of God, and, and we just lose sight of God. You've got to ask yourself, do I love the Lord more than I do these things? That's a revealing question that we need to ask ourselves tonight. Who do you love? Who do you love? It's a revealing question. What do you cherish in your life? Let me just say this. If whatever you're running after or chasing after makes you come in in the house of God with a rebellious attitude, backslidden, dark heart, you're loving something more than you love God. When you walk through the house of God, you should be coming in with the, the joy of serving God, knowing God loves you and you love God. It shouldn't be the other way around. But I see people today are just trying to go through the motions. Who do you love? Who do you, what do you cherish in life? I, I try my best. There's nothing in my life that I love more than the Lord. And I love my family. I love my wife. I love my church. I try to not put anything in my life before the Lord. I, I, I know I failed. I told, we talked about failure this morning. I failed that a lot. But I, I try to humble myself enough, Lord, there is nothing more in my life that I love than you. I, if, if, it, if I had to, have to choose, Lord, if, it was, if I put something in my life that I would love more than you, take my life from me because I don't want it. I want to serve the Lord. I, I fell a lot on that. I'm trying to constantly fight the battle of the Christian life, making sure nothing gets between my soul and my Savior. I want to always say, Lord, I cherish nothing above you. He says, Peter said, I love you. But to the commandment of Peter, feed my sheep. That, I looked at that, that this way. I look at it this way. 
He said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter answered, yes, I love you, I love, love you. You had to remember back when Peter had uh, fell him. He failed him so many times. When Jesus did that to him, Jesus had to make sure that his heart was right. Make sure that that conversion was right, that resurrection, that, that restoration in his life was right. Had to get him to a place. So here I am. He, he wanted Peter to realize you love me more than anything. He said, he said, I love this crowd, but I love you more. I love this crowd. I'll do anything for you. But you ain't number one in my life. You're not number one in my life. So revealing about the conclusion, Jesus gives us insight into Peter's death. Verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, and thou girdest thyself, and walked, whether thou wonder wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, and thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall girt thee, and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. In other words, there's going to come a day, Peter, you're going to get old. They're going to come in and drag you out, Peter, and kill you. I've heard people say his head was cut off. I heard it said it was crucified upside down. Neither, regardless, he was killed because of who he was and who he's preaching for. Verse 19, this spake he, signifying by the death he should glorify God. Jesus reveals that even in death, he will be glorifying God in his death. I want to say, I, I, I want to do the same thing. I've seen people to get to the end of their life and have a great testimony and, I mean, just live their life the way God wanted them, walk with God and everything, get to the end of their life and just blow it, lost it. I, I don't want to be that way. I, I want to be just like people. I want to live my life. I want to say when, I, when they lay me out in that box and, and people come around and look at me and says, hey, that man walked with God. He preached to his dying breath. He lived for God. He didn't give up on God. He didn't turn his back on God. He didn't get bitter about the situation. He didn't get bitter about whatever was going through in his life. He stuck with God. And I'm, I just want you to say, I went out in a blaze of glory, giving God the glory even in my death. We will say, hey, we miss them. I, I've seen people standing around the graves crying and weeping and whining and wondering where people went. You won't have to wonder. Somebody walks with God until the very last breath they have, you say, hey, we'll miss them, but I'm going to see them again. I'm going to see them again. There's a coming day that we're going to reunite together. I'm going to tell you what, that's a joyful day. And when we leave out of this body and lay this body down, like I told you, we're going to get a glorified body. I'm going to a supper, let me tell you. I'm going to get, and I'll never gain weight either. Amen. I'm telling you. I want to live my life that glorifies God. Even in my death, I want to glorify God. It's a revealing without the relationship. Verse number 20. Then Peter turning about seeing the disciples whom Jesus loved following, which he also learned 
on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, which is it he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing, he had see, uh, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus said to him, if I will that he tarries till I come, what is it to thee? What is it to thee? Follow me. Then when he had said abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die, yet Jesus said unto him, If he shall not die, but if I will tarry till he, I come, what is it to thee? I believe if you read this, read this uh, Peter's life and John's life, I, I believe there's a little rivalry going on there. Read between the lines. Peter and John has this relationship, but there's a, a little bit of rivalry going on between them. Peter, Peter and John, John is leaning on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper, and Peter looks at John, said, ask John, says, ask him who's going to betray him. You know, you, you're closer to him. You, you top dog. You teacher's pet. Why don't you go ahead and ask him who's going to betray him? And then we see then when Jesus was crucified and he was raised and, they, and Peter and John was going to the tomb, John outruns Peter to the tomb, but John doesn't go all the way in. Peter gets there and pushes him out of the way. Let me in there. John, Peter goes all the way in. I, I believe there's a little rivalry going in their relationship. And here is G, he's in, uh, and Peter's doing just, mm, Peter is doing exactly like a lot of Christians are doing today. You're trying to serve God. You're trying to walk with God, but you got your eyes on everybody else. What about them? What about them? Just, just like Jesus told him. What about it? It ain't none of your business. You need to serve God your way. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't worry about what they're saying or where they're going or what they're doing. Don't worry about it. You need to serve God your what God wants you to do. Keep your mind set on God. Don't worry about that. I see too many people sitting in churches trying to worry about what everybody else is doing. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Yeah. And, and you keep doing that. You keep doing that. You're going to get a bitter heart. And it won't take you long. You'll be sliding out the door. Because you're worried about what everybody else is doing in church. Amen. I'm just telling you. I, I don't worry about you. People say, well, hey, what about him? I don't, don't bother me none. I look at it this way. I used to worry about numbers. I, I, I got caught up in that number game. I count how many people here. We could have had a few more. I look at the offering. Oh, we could have had a few more. And Jesus said, what's it to you? Don't worry about it. When I stopped worrying about it, God started giving an increase. When I stopped worrying about the tithing, we take care of everything. We ain't, we're, not, we're not wealthy, but we ain't had to want for nothing. So if you just stop worrying about it. But we, we got this attitude that I want to worry about everybody. And that's what Peter and John are going on. Peter said, well, what about him? What about him? I'm doing this. I'm going that. I'm doing all this. What, what's he going to do? Don't worry about it. I'll take care of him. And he said, if, I tear, if he tarries until I come back, I give you a little bit of thing. John did tarry until he came back. Go over the book of Revelation. John got to see everything. John got to see it all. He got to see him coming back, setting his throne up. He got to see him do all the great things. John got to see it all. Amen. Ooh. Ooh. Man. Ooh. 
What about him? Don't worry about it. Just take, just take care of yourself. Walk with the Lord yourself and don't worry about anybody else. And you're going to have a lot better going on. See, that, that rivalry of that relationship. Peter's obviously feeling a little bit of remorse and shame because he, 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 he's a big bragger. Peter's a big bragger. I will die for you. But yet he runs and hides. It's that little boy John that goes all the way to Calvary with him. The guy that didn't brag, got <laughs> marked this down. If you had to brag about what you do for the Lord, it's no good. Amen. John never bragged about anything. He just showed him in his actions. Yep. And that's what God is looking for. Show me. You say you love me? Show me in your actions. John just said, he, I went all the way to the cross of Calvary with him. Peter was looking at him. He was so worried about John that he could not even enjoy his own walk with the Lord. Don't get quiet on me there. When you get so worried about everybody else, you ain't going to be able to enjoy your walk with the Lord, what God wants you to do. Because you're so worried about what everybody else is doing. Amen. What this man do? What, what, what's he going to do with this man? Don't worry about what John's going to do. I'll take care of John. We're living in a day where even social media. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, you need to watch social media. You need to get a you need to wrap it up. Your kids are on it. You need to grab a hold of it and watch it. Because we're living in such a day of social media where everybody puts everything out there that they can grab a hold of. And it don't take long, you know, the business about everybody else. And especially when you get a bunch of Christians to get on there, oh, woe well, is me. Oh, woe well, is me. And then they start... <laughs> Then they'll start looking at what that church doing, what that preacher doing, what that member's doing. That, that, it get, it gets, it get, it'll get you. It'll get you. You need to watch that social media. We are living in a day of nothing but social media that's draining our country, that's draining our churches. And we see it today. Churches don't have church uh, services. They got social media services. There's, there's, there's almost like a competition going in there. In their relationship. I just want to walk with the Lord. Enjoy my walk with the Lord. And I, I don't want to be constantly. Wondering around what people are going to do. I worry about. I worry about people. We, we're not in. Comp, listen. We're not in competition with the church down the road. We're not in competition with the preacher down the road. We're not in competition with the members down the road. In fact, if they're serving God like we serve God, then we're all in the same boat. We're in the same class. We're all going to heaven. We're all, our main goal is to see people get saved. It's not how big of a church can be, how, how many congregations you get. It's not all about that. It's just about getting people saved. Amen. So we don't worry about what's going on around here. Let's just take care of what's going on here. Amen. There's a competition, always competition. Paul said, and, and let me give you this and we'll close. Take heed that you be not consumed with one another. You get that? Take heed 
that you be not consumed with one another. What we should do, what should we do? Jesus said, just follow me. Walk as close to Jesus as you can. Let God deal with everything else. You just get your sight focused on Jesus. And, and if you do that, can I say this? If you do that, you get that joy back in your heart about salvation. You get that joy back in your heart about the conversion of what God has done for you, what God is preparing for you. If you get that joy back in your heart and get that shout back in your life, shouting for what God has done for you, you know what? And you say, well, well what about people that don't worry about those? God will take care of those. But you, if you want the joy, you want to uh, have uh, the joy in walking with God, then just got to get as close as Him as you can. Walk as close as to Him as you can. And don't worry about anybody else. Just give God the praise. Give God the glory. Now, I, I love people to shout. I really do. I love for people to shout. I love for people to walk with the Lord. Get on fire for the Lord. And you can tell it in people's lives. Amen. God has been too good to us to sit around wondering, whining, and complaining. Let's say, Lord, you've been good. I'm going to stick with you. 